This is weather and climate chat with your hosts, Monsoon Mike Regs and Department of Geography Professor Dr. Michael Davis. Discussing past, present, and future weather, along with climate topics of the day. Welcome to Weather and Climate Chat. Been uh, several months since we last recorded one. Let's see. I'm looking at my uh, my list here. Dr. Davis, April 27th, so May, June, July, August, September. Five months ago since we've uh, last recorded. Welcome, Dr. Davis. How was your summer? It was good. Well, last time we had a Weather and Climate Chat, I was a family of four. Now I'm a family of five. Congratulations. Another future weather uh, forecaster in the family, hopefully. Yeah, that's uh, Brennan's. Okay. July 2nd. July 2nd. Okay. Right in the middle of summer. Um, and we can, uh, congratulations once again, and we can summarize summer briefly. I mean, we're not going to focus too much on it because people are already forgotten about summer. We're already a month into meteorological autumn at this point. But um, summer actually around here uh, in the Kutztown area was quite, you know, for somebody who doesn't like heat, like I don't. It was actually one of the nicer summers that I've had in a few years. Um, kind of temperate. June actually leaned a little on the cooler side. July was kind of hot, but not ridiculously hot. August was not too bad. And um, May was ridiculously dry. And May was ridiculously dry. So kind of an uneventful, you know. And, and something that happened in June, too. Yes. The smoke. The smoke. Oh, I, I couldn't even forget about the smoke. Yeah. That was pretty, uh, <laughs> Early that June. <laughs> that was something like a lot of peer, people have never experienced. I'll never forget that one day. I don't, I don't know the dates, whatever date that was, somewhere around mid-June. It was what would have been a perfectly clear, sunny day, but it actually looked as dark as like a like today, like a dark, rainy type day. And all it was was just smoke. And it was actually cool. It was chilly. It was like 65 degrees. And on a June day, it was crazy. I never experienced yeah. anything like that. The sky took on that orange color, too. Yeah, those pictures from New York City were absolutely crazy with the, the orange skyline. Um, yeah, so definitely, uh, besides the smoke, uh, a, a not too bad of a summer around here. Uh, fall, you know, we, we kicked off meteorological autumn early in September with that week-long uh, heat wave, which was kind of ironic that we had some of our hottest weather of the warm weather season in early September. So uh, that's just the way the cookie crumbles sometimes. And now in the second half of September, kind of cool and actually a little chilly, uh, thanks to the remnants of this tropical storm Ophelia that's been not wanting to leave us for about the past uh, seven days. <laughs> and before that, it was yeah. we had some impacts from Hurricane Lee as it was passing offshore. In the form of mainly some strong surf and rip currents across yeah. New Jersey uh, coastline. So that was like the past five months since we've talked in a nutshell. Dr. Davis, explain to us why we actually didn't have that bad of a summer here, but other parts of the country, like Texas and all those areas, they were roasting. And Phoenix, Arizona, you know, how, how many days in a row of 115 degrees plus? That's, that's pretty scary stuff. Yeah, you mainly had a really persistent pattern that stayed in place with a ridge sitting out in the western U.S. creating the warmer temperatures and then they just kept baking. Yeah I felt felt bad for them because I have I have a couple of friends in Texas and we were having some really nice evenings here in June and July where it was you know upper where it was like low 60s very comfortable and they're like you know please send some of that down here we can't take anymore. So at one, 
at one point, my aunt who lives in Phoenix said that she had gone more than 150 days without seeing measurable precip. Scary. That's actually kind of scary because you, you hear these stories of people in that areas like Phoenix that could have a water crisis in the coming years if, if that kind of stuff becomes a pattern. They already have water. They already have a water there, crisis, but, but it could get worse. It could, it could get a lot worse. So, um, so yeah. So then we get into meteorological autumn. We had the remnants of those couple of tropical storms. Uh, uh, with with that, now today we're recording this on September 29th, Friday, September 29th. Just clarifying that if you're listening to this at a at a later time, but. Today, as we're recording this, uh, the remnants of that Ophelia w- had kind of merged up with a uh, a low pressure and uh, gave it some new life. And just about a, two hours to our east, namely New York City area, really getting hammered today. I'm not sure if you've seen some of those pictures, Dr. Davis, but uh, some areas that I would just was in and back in February when I took my students up to New York for a radio conference. I'm recognizing some of these intersections and they're like, you know, tired deep in, in water. So getting hammered up there in new york city yeah with all the um, moisture that's being tapped into by this developing low off the uh, outer banks area of north carolina and tracking northward across the uh, pretty much new jersey area where the trough is set up uh, for us it's been more of a drizzle or light rain yeah just an annoying day chilly light rainy day nothing really too crazy although we might be getting something a little later tonight but yeah Nothing to the extent of what's happening eastward. Yeah, some of the short-range models imply a couple like arms of precipitation swinging through here later tonight, but again, nothing too too dramatic. But the past week really hasn't been the nicest week. I mean, we had one day, Wednesday, that was kind of nice, and then every other day, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and of course this past weekend, which was a, a total wash, just very dreary. <laughs> very dreary. <laughs> But from Saturday to Tuesday, that was when Ophelia was really impacting us. Right. So we had that tropical uh, circulation. I think it became more of a depression or just a remnant low. Yeah. And kind of sat over the Chesapeake area and then went further south, like Cape May, Delaware area. I want to ask you a question, Dr. Davis, for fun, and you'll probably enjoy answering this question. I saw some of the weather geeks that I follow online arguing a bit last week over, you know, was Ophelia tropical, extra tropical? Was it just a glorified nor'easter? You know, even some of the the, the certified meteorologists were kind of talking about it back and forth. So was Ophelia basically a bona fide tropical system or was it a little different? Or how do you describe what 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 she was? I believe the Hurricane Center went with a tropical storm and then... It did become a hurricane briefly Mm -hmm. before making landfall. And the thing you want to look for with tropical development is you have kind of the centralized organization of the uh, precipitation. Right. The models at one point looked like most of that precip was way, way out there in terms from the central low. But about... 24, 36 hours, I'm going to say, before landfall. It looked like Ophelia was starting to gain more in the way of tropical characteristics. So there was talk about a subtropical or a tropical system. The Hurricane Center issued the potential tropical cyclone designation on it, which then allowed 
places like National Weather Service, Mount Holly to start issuing uh, more in the way of tropical type advisories just because of the situation may be changing and the people on the front lines would be the ones to know it more than say the hurricane centers. So I personally would say it's more of a tropical type system because the hurricane center did label it a tropical storm and a hurricane at one point and issue the potential tropical cyclone advisories. Okay. All right. Well, whatever. There is some disagreement. (laughs) There's some disagreement and that's totally fine. Just like I've seen some disagreement over, you know, tornadoes versus straight line winds. And sometimes even the experts will argue over certain, you know, things, but you know, weather is an imperfect science as is a lot of things. So, uh, you know, you're going to have that disagreement sometimes, but whatever, whatever Ophelia was, she contributed to a very dreary week here in uh, our neck of the woods, but we've got some very good news. If you've missed the sun and missed the warmer weather, total opposite 180 change coming, uh, I guess, starting Sunday, maybe Saturday, tomorrow, maybe a little remnant clouds, maybe a shower or whatever. But Sunday through maybe as far as next Friday, it looked pretty much cruise control weather, as one meteorologist I used to follow would say, cruise control weather, nonstop sunshine, uh, temperatures averaging about maybe eight-ish degrees above average. So we're talking upper 70s, maybe an 80 here or there. Uh, Humidity still in check, dew points mainly in the 50s throughout the week from what I'm seeing. So cool nights in the 50s. uh, So perfect fall weather, if not a little bit above average fall weather coming for the foreseeable future. Yeah, the big high pressure coming in and it's going to set up shop. And what I say, as opposed to cruise control weather, is like the stone in the river. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> if you look at the models, the jet stream, it just runs right in that high pressure and it doesn't move. Yeah, there, I'm looking if you can see my shared screen here. You got that high pressure sitting over our area. Kind of just, yeah, cruise control weather. What, what did you call it again, Dr. Davis? The stone in the river. Stone in the river. Okay. Well, hey, whatever works. It's just not, you know, beautiful weather, nonstop sunshine. Looks like finally the pattern starts to break down maybe somewhere around next weekend. But you know my feelings on long range stuff. I'm not too into it much anymore because it's just too imperfect. But yeah, maybe sometime next weekend, some implications of a trough coming in and bringing us back some more uh, fall. What is that in Ontario? Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> some blues up in Ontario. I don't want to hear that. But uh, yeah, so maybe that maybe some first snowflakes of the season up that way. If we got ways to go before we get we there. Wait, to worry about. And what's that thing down there uh, near the Baja, California? Area? Oh, yeah. What's that? Perhaps another tropical system of some sort by next weekend. But you know, we, that's still a ways away. That was another thing that happened over the summer. We can, are, are the weird Hillary. that that's Hillary out there that gave out Los Angeles. A, uh, what was that? Like one of the first tropical storm warnings in Los Angeles in like how many decades yeah, that, ever, ever. Okay. It was the ever. first tropical advisory that was issued for Southern California. Wow. That's uh pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty wild stuff there. And then it went, um, I think, east of los angeles Mm -hmm. and kind of went up into nevada and like the four corners area because i i think it's more rain that was closer to like death valley area right looking at the climate prediction center which is something you and i both like to look at obviously very warm the next six to ten days 
maybe back to closer to average temperatures in the eight to 14 day and three to four week outlook, maybe about average. So it looks like after a warm early October, we might get back to more typical, you know, fall like coolness mid October. Um, but it's still for, for October as a whole, though, is still looking like it leans on the more uh, warm side, monthly outlook and, and weather. And wetter, wetter as well too. So maybe we keep that uh, those opportunities for rain once we get past next week's dry, dry stretch. So so far, so far, fairly benign stretch. Other than you know these dreary days we've had around here, we missed the big thing in New York City today that you know with all the rain. And guess we'll just have to see. I mean, well, I'll, I'll just throw out a public service announcement that I keep getting asked, and you probably do as well, Doctor Davis, as a fellow weather guru. People saying, "What do you think about the winter, Mike? Is it going to be a bad winter?" I'm not touching the winter. I <laughs> yes, it's an El Nino winter, but that doesn't mean we're going to get uh, one particular way or the other. If anything, I would lean a little bit on the warmer and wetter side. And I think you kind of agree, agree with that, Dr. Davis. Yeah. Typically that's what we get in El Nino, but I'm like you, I don't really make these outlooks anymore because climate change and what we've done, the atmosphere has pretty much thrown everything we know out the window. That's what I said. Yep. That's that's how I describe it to people. I'm like, there's so many new variables in the atmosphere that didn't exist as recently as 10 or 20 years ago that it's actually, I think, harder to to forecast months ahead than it was back in say the year 2000 or whatever but as you said when we were chatting offline a couple days ago so much carbon in the atmosphere now that wasn't there just like 10 years ago (laughs) that uh yeah so good luck with the winter time i mean maybe it's going to be snowy maybe it's not going to be snowy we'll worry about that when december rolls around (laughs) but for now dr davis uh what you got climate topic wise got a couple big things you want to share with us so there was a recent study that was published that was looking at uh, this nonprofit climate research group called the First Street Foundation that essentially found that 39 million properties in the U.S. are at risk from things like climate change or climate-related impacts. And recently, we've seen insurance companies pull out of some states like uh, farmers pulled out of Florida, State Farm pulled out of California because it's just getting too risky for them. And if these 39 million properties are at risk and they can't get insurance, that's a really sizable portion of the properties here in the U.S., so that's kind of scary, and that that drives in. I, there was an a writer, I, I forget who it was, but you you might have heard about it. But they were talking about um, how you know we could see in the coming fifty years or even sooner than that uh, a migration north, where people in those areas like Florida and Arizona are just going to start trying to head north to get away from the devastating heat and storms of of other areas to our south. And then what's that mean? I mean, we're going to have like all these northern areas that aren't prepared for this influx of humanity. I mean, that's exactly. stuff we've got to think about. Because mm-hmm. um, it, it's just going to get to the point where states like Florida, Arizona are just unlivable. I mean, our, Phoenix had, what, 15 days in a row of like temperatures above 115? I mean, that's just absolutely and, brutal. And Phoenix had a stretch of about 120, 150 days in some areas of without any measurable precip, which is actually a third longest in their record that I saw. So it's been drier out there, but that's like four or five months without any rainfall. So yeah, it's- And I I saw a meme somewhere, someone 
tweeting something saying that insurance companies pulling out of areas should be setting off all kinds of alarms <laughs> right now. <laughs> when farmers and State Farm don't even want to touch properties in certain areas, that should really tell you something. And who's yeah. to say like Allstate or Geico or all those guys, they don't do the same thing. Yep. Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. They just want to make money and if they're too risky, then they're not going to be there. Yeah. I mean, if, if they see that they're going to be shelling out millions and billions of dollars covering, you know, all this damage, why cover those areas? Because that's that's just a bad business decision. And that's all exactly everything comes down to the bottom line. And it's a bad business decision to cover areas like that. So scary stuff, scary stuff. And uh, another one I got is uh, First Solar, which is the largest American uh, photovoltaic uh, company uh, is opening up a 3.5 gigawatt facility in Louisiana to start pumping out uh, solar panels. And they gave the time interval it takes to produce one uh, capable of producing 12 new panels every minute. Wow. That's some pretty cool stuff. Yeah. That's going to make quite a lot of panels available for people that want to go solar. Maybe we can talk about this as well, Dr. Davis. I just happened to think about it. Uh, something you're seeing a little more of in recent times is the uh, popping up these solar farms, as they're called. Mm -hmm. uh, there's one like over in the Fleetwood area where there's like a field that they turn into like a solar farm, you know, and some people are like, oh, it's unsightly or it doesn't look. But hey, at least it's it's better than a, a warehouse or something sitting there. <laughs> so, and word is that Kutchtown's getting a solar farm, too. I've, I've heard that um, possibly. I know that at least looking into it or zoning hearings or something. So. Uh, or another idea that I heard of, you know, somebody mentioned to me, they're like, well, you know what, they're building all these warehouses and stuff. What if we had like a mandate that every like warehouse had to have like solar panels on the roof? I mean, that's, that's using your, your noggin to, uh, <laughs> or there's places yeah. in Europe that will, um, put full voltaics on their parking lots. Yeah. Because that's just empty space, empty space. Use it. Absolutely. And if you put them up, then cars can park underneath them and not heat up during the day. Yep. And thus, you're not heating up the university as much. So it's a little bit cooler. So you don't have to worry about running AC. Yeah. So, hey, green energy is the way to go. I mean, all this stuff just makes perfect sense. It's just a matter of instituting these things. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I guess more of a unique sort of thing is one of my memories on social media recently posted a uh, National Weather Service Cleveland article from a couple of years ago or post that talked about the woolly bear caterpillar and how some people use that to Die for the winter, yeah. figure out what the winter is going to be like. If it's uh, the brown band in the middle, if it's wider, typically that means more in the way of a milder winter. And if the black bands at the ends are bigger than you have to worry about a more harsh winter. So is there like a, did they analyze this caterpillar and find out? Oh, what... they just showed a picture of it. Oh, okay. So I tell about it in case any of our listeners have okay. never heard of that. I, I have, I have heard that one of those theories of, of the caterpillar being a judge of, you know, you always have people like, Oh, I saw the squirrels, you know, gathering their uh, lots of nuts and all that stuff. And it's going to be a bad winter. Or the or groundhogs. <laughs> groundhogs. I mean, I, I don't like, I don't poo-poo any of that stuff. I mean, some of it could very well have some 
some basis in in science. I don't know, you know, <laughs> um, like one one famous one that I one folklore that I always enjoy and I always joke with my family every time because I, I I drive through a lot of farm fields on the way home to my house up in Schuylkill County, so I pass lots of cows coming to and from work. And of course, the old adage, if the cows are laying down, that's a forecast of bad weather coming. If the cows are standing up, that's good weather. And I'll tell you what, I mean, I don't know if it's just me like imagining it, but nine times out of 10, it seems fairly accurate. And and what I heard, it was something to do with that, you know, cows can kind of feel it in their bones, sort of like humans when bad weather's coming and they're they're more likely to lay down and rest their bones when the rain's coming. That's why they all lay down before rain. So hey, I could I could make sense. I could get that. <laughs> well, there is science that shows that people yeah. do get like migraines and headaches yeah. and aches in their bones as storms right. come in because of the lower pressure. Right. Unless you have less force pushing on the joints and right and whatnot. So I wouldn't doubt that, but mm-hmm. I don't know if you can scientifically no. prove anything. I don't know if anybody's going to do a study on it or be able to prove anything, but it's something fun to watch. I mean, it's folklore people. It's it's fun. It's something fun. And it's, it's you know, it's, you can take it for what it's worth. <laughs> so exactly. Uh, all right. So Dr. Davis, before we wrap up, how's your semester looking? Uh, what, what you teaching this year? So I'm doing first year seminar. Okay. I'm doing physical geography and I'm doing meteorology. Okay. And then next semester, I'll be doing two sections of first-year seminar, another physical geography, and climatology. Okay. Well, if KUR can help you in any way, shape, or form along the way, as we have over the years, just reach out. You know where to find us. Exactly. You've been helping me out with uh, weather analysis in terms of an outlet for my students. Yeah, always fun. All right. Well, Dr. Davis, once again, congratulations on the new member to your new addition to your family over the summer. Let's keep, you know, fighting for a positive climate action so that our youth of the world can have something to, to you know, look forward to when they grow up and uh, not always be all doom and gloom. So, you know, keep keep get keep those solar farms and such going and uh, keep voting the right people in so that we can have a future that uh, that we have to be proud of. Right. Yes. OK. I say better myself. All right. Well, Dr. Davis, you have a fantastic weekend. Enjoy the beautiful weather next week that we're going to have. And uh don't ask us about a a, a, a winter forecast because we're not going to do it. You leave that up to AccuWeather on their ninety day forecast. <laughs> yeah, which which you by the way you said that there was some snow. They actually, I'm not sure if it's still there, but they actually it appeared though. <laughs> it appeared like somewhere around October 28th, and that's when you made. And I'm like, and you're like, oh, snow in October, and I'm like, well, it happened in 2011, and then that's when you made your comment. Yeah, well, it's a lot more carbon. That's where it came from. Since 2011. Yeah. Let me, I'm just checking to see if that is still there or if they moved that. Um, let me see here. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. So now we got to wait all the way till uh, November 19th, according to the AccuWeather 90 day forecast. Um, Almost around Thanksgiving. Yeah. Rain and sleet in the morning, windy with considerable clouds on November 19th. So, okay. again, we have to keep saying no disrespect to AccuWeather. We just don't necessarily agree with them doing forecasts that accurate, that specific 90 days out but if that's what they want to do more power to them <laughs> but we did do our yeah. verification of them right and it wasn't bad it wasn't terrible it wasn't terrible. the temperatures they got pretty close yeah and that's what i would say that if you're going to follow that that 90 day forecast the temperatures not too bad when it gets down to partly sunny in the morning becoming cloudy that's forget that yeah forget that part for a general idea okay maybe mid-november is kind of cooler and active 
yeah, I could see that. Because even the National Weather Service will try to like forecast a month or two out temperature trends and stuff. So yeah, I'm just not a fan of this whole exact forecast because then some people will look at that and they'll be like, that's what's going to happen. And then when it rains or whatever, oh, ruined my day. I planned my whole wedding based off of that. No, don't do that. Not a good idea. <laughs> yeah, uh, that goes, it just relies on the climate though. Yeah. That's just what the temperature does. Right. right. So it's all climatology and climate based temperature prediction pretty much yep all right dr davis you behave yourself have a good weekend and we'll talk let's just make this at least a monthly thing and not not go five months next time or hopefully bi-weekly at least (laughs) i'm fine with that but if you're good with that i'm fine with bi-weekly fridays are generally a pretty quiet day for me so we'll we'll, we'll aim fridays are generally good with me too so let's aim for it let's try for that (laughs) two fridays from now we won't say every week because that's like pie in the sky but every two weeks i think we can handle okay All right. Talk to you soon. Weather and Climate Chat is a production of Kutztown University Radio. Follow all Kutztown University Radio podcasts on Spotify.